My name is Brad. I'm part of the teaching and leadership team here. And this is a great time for you to be jumping on board with us because we're just starting a new series uh, in the book of Exodus. So if you are in grade three, you were in grade three this last year, so you're going into grade four and up, stick up your hand and we'll bring around one of these sheets for you. All right. So if you're in going into grade four in the fall and up, then our ushering team will bring around one of these sheets for you, and you can kind of follow along uh, the story as we go. Now, during the past few summers, we have done something called family-friendly Sundays, which unfortunately degenerated into not as family-friendly as we intended them to be, and it just kind of meant that the kids were in with us. But this summer, we're going to work hard and make sure that we're intentional around that and in our teaching series and then Sunday morning. And on Sunday morning, uh, we're going to have some fun together. We're going to make sure that all the generations are represented in our learning structures because Sunday morning at Jericho is not designed to just give you all of the answers. Sunday mornings are designed around opening and starting up conversations around God's Word and helping, giving you some of the tools in your context, to be able to learn, to be able to grow outside of the context of Sunday mornings, live those things out, and navigate the challenges and joys that uh, you're going to find throughout the course of your week and your life. So uh, that's sort of half introduction to uh, what is the new family-friendly, which we're going to call family-inclusive, and half apology for the way we have done family-friendly, which has been not very good. So... Uh, Without a side, we'll jump in this morning with Exodus. Now, Exodus is the sequel to what we did last year, which was uh, the book of Genesis. How many were here for our series in the book of Genesis? All right, so I was on sabbatical. I'm sure it was fantastic. I I heard all of the messages online. It was really good. But just like a good movie sequel, the book of Exodus picks up right where the book of Genesis leaves off. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open it to the first chapter of the book of Exodus, and the story on the book of Exodus uh, begins with the story of Joseph. So, kids, what do we know about Joseph? Just shout out. What do we know about Joseph? Who is he? What, what was he all about? You have to shout louder. Okay, Mike, let the kids have a turn. He did have a cool coat, though. Yeah, he was a coat of many colors guy, right? So this, just to remind, this is interactive. So when there's questions, you should have an answer for the questions, all right? So um, the book of Exodus that starts with the story of Joseph and his family all dying, then goes into the story and gets its title, actually, the book itself, from the exit or the departure of their whole family after years and years and years and generations and generations, about 400 years of captivity in the land of Egypt. But you think, well, if we started the book or ended the book of Genesis with the story of Joseph, like things were good with Joseph. They were, he was like the second in command for the whole of Egypt. But if you read in the book of Exodus in chapter 1, it talks about how after a long time, after Joseph died, Then a new pharaoh came to be in charge, and they forgot all about Joseph and all the amazing things he had done, how he'd saved 
all of Egypt and, in fact, the known world from famine and all of those things. So it explains that because then they forgot about Joseph, things got really, really, really bad. And the Egyptians, instead of having Joseph as number two in charge and really thinking this is awesome, they actually made the children of Israel their slaves because they were worried that they might take over the whole nation because there were so many of them now. So they made them do all of the hard work out in the hot, hot, hot sun, and they beat them if they didn't do the work. And then they made a law, which was in that video at Coffee and Connection Time. And the law was that if you had a baby girl, that was okay. But if you had a baby boy, you were supposed to take the baby boy, and if you didn't do it, they would come and do it for you. They'd take the boy, and just when they were newborns, just throw him in the river. And they would kill all of the baby boys. It was a horrible, horrible law and a horrible time to be alive if you were an Israelite. But God had a plan. He always does, even though sometimes it doesn't always look like he does. And even though sometimes God's plans, in fact, I would say often God's plans work on very, very, very different timetables than we like our plans to work on. And God's plan in this situation involved three women. Involved a mommy involved a baby, involved uh, another baby, well, a baby and, and an older sister, and a princess. And these three women each took incredible risks. But as we're going to see in our story, in the birth of Moses, it also, they experienced God's amazing protection in their lives, and they experienced God's amazing provision in their lives because of the risks that they took. Now, to help us remember the theme of the story for adults... We're going to use a term from the world of financial planning. Now, you know when you go into the office, adults, and you're a financial planner, and the first thing that they give you is a little piece of paper, and it's a risk assessment uh, test that you're supposed to take. And it's to help them understand how much risk you can tolerate as an investor. So your financial planner needs to get a tolerance, a sense of your risk tolerance as an investor because high risks in the world of investing, often come with high rewards, but there also can be a big downside to them as well. So you have to be willing to take those risks, and they have to know that you're willing to take those risks. So they have you fill out this form. Now, kids, for those of you who don't own mutual funds or stocks, I have another idea as to how we'll help you remember the point of this story. So I'm going to need a volunteer. I will not make you say or do anything embarrassing, just so you know. But you do need to be willing to come up here. Jeremy's being volunteered by his parents. I love it. (laughs) Do we have a willing volunteer? (laughs) I don't know whether you're a willing volunteer or not, Jeremy. Doesn't matter what age, as young or as old, it doesn't matter. Tyler? All right. All right, Tyler, you're my volunteer for today. Way to go. Okay, so Tyler... I'm not very good at remembering things, so what we've done is we have uh, designed for our series, every week we have a different picture to help us remember the story. So can you just put this on just over top of your shirt, it's probably good. Um, (laughs) And the picture on here, we have a shirt, just so you know, for next week you can volunteer. Uh, I do need this shirt back, just by the way, so... um, (laughs) But... We have a shirt for every weekend with the picture for that week on it to kind of help us remember 
the theme and the point of our story. So picture this week, bulrushes, because we're going to talk about Moses, all right? And as we'll see in a minute, this big story of the giant exit uh, begins with the birth of the one who God is going to use to rescue his people. And the lesson that I want us to remember is captured in a little phrase. It almost rhymes. So Tyler, I actually will make you say something. Just repeat this after me, okay? This is our little phrase for the big idea for today, okay? So the big idea for today is God's radical provision God's radical provision flows to those who risk big for his mission. Flows to those who risk big for his mission. Okay, so that's the bulrushes. We're going to remember that, all right? So God's radical provision flows to those who risk big for his mission. It almost rhymes. You just have to work with me on it. Fitting a few too many words in, but that's okay. All right, so thank you, Tyler, for that. You can just wear that around uh, for the rest of the morning, and people will, I don't know, congratulate you, or thank you. I'm not quite sure what they'll do, but all right. I do need the T-shirt back, though, for next weekend, so somebody else can wear it, so don't get it really sweaty. All right, so... If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 2. And the text will appear on the screens, but I'm going to tell the story more than read the story. And our story begins intriguingly with a bunch of unnamed characters. We don't find out their names until much later in the book of Exodus. We uh, meet a mom and a special baby boy. And you remember, what did the Egyptians do to the baby boys? They killed them. They threw them in the river. So we meet a baby boy who's born. And the baby boy goes for the first three months of his life where his parents are working really, really hard to try and hide him so that he doesn't get thrown into the river. Now, how many of you have uh, children three months or under in your home at this point in time? Okay, hands nice and high so we can, we can ask you a question. Okay, so um, just as... As a point of reference for everybody who maybe you know, hasn't had the experience of having an under three-month-old in their house or not, under three-month-old, um, would you say quiet or not so quiet? Not so quiet. Yeah, exactly. Especially when hungry, tired, any of the above, right? So, so an under three-month-old, and especially as you get to that three-month mark in particular, like getting a little bit older, gets a little bit harder to keep a three-month-old quiet and still when the soldiers come around looking and see if you have a baby boy in your home. So eventually, the mom decides this is getting too dangerous. I'm not sure what we're going to do, but this is we have to do something. And she comes up with what seems like an interesting plan to hide the baby somewhere else, maybe where Pharaoh's guards won't look. She figures, well... If they're going to throw him in the river anyways, why don't I put him in the river? But I'll put him in the river in a particular environment, in a little basket with papyrus reeds and waterproof it with tar and with pitch and a little boat. And in Hebrew, this is called a tavach. Can you say that? Tavach. You got a Hebrew words have a lot of like guttural kind of sounds in them. So tavach. And this word actually shows up in only one other place in the Old Testament. And it's actually in the story of Noah. The ark is called a tavach because it's another vessel that God is going to use to save his people. Just like this little vessel that the mom makes and waterproofs it and puts it into the river. 
So she makes a tavach, not for sailing down the river so that the baby can get out of the way, but just kind of for hiding out and resting in among the bulrushes and reeds in a new, uh, neutral location. But again, think about this, a three-month-old. Like, this is a bit of a high-risk plan because three-month-olds are getting to that place where, again, they're not very quiet and they're, they're also not 100% still. They've got a little more movement going on now. So, I mean, this little tavach could easily capsize and all kinds of other things. People could find it. The wrong people could find it. I mean, if they slip out of the boat, if it floats downstream, if the current is strong, like, this little baby is dead. But the mom decides that this risk is worth it because if he stays, he's dead anyways. And here's a woman who blends risk and faith together. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 23, it says this about Moses' parents. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born because they saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. As parents, they had to take a big risk to defy the most powerful individual on the planet at that time and all of his armies and all of his plans to try and keep Israel oppressed and in bondage and slavery. They had to trust God, that God had a purpose and a plan for their son. And that God was going to work this out. And they had to push fear to the side and take a risk. They had this risk, but it was rooted in faith, the Bible says, in deep confidence in God. One of the things that I love about Jericho Ridge is that many of you here share this same kind of faith and confidence and trust in God. That that you're willing, some of you, to take risks for God. I think about... Well, I'll pick on Tyler because he's wearing the T-shirt. I think about uh, Tyler's wife, Lindsay, who right now is down in Haiti and has been to Haiti a number of times and leads teams there. And she's working uh, with teams to rebuild an orphanage that was ravaged by the earthquake a number of years ago. I think it takes guts and risk to keep raising funds for something that's kind of out of the limelight now. There's other things that people have moved on to in their thinking and in, in their giving. But Lindsay consistently is obedient to what God wants her to do and takes risks and says, you know what, I'm going to keep going back. I'm going to keep leading teams there. I think about, I'll keep picking on your family because you're all sitting in the same row and, and they probably won't beat me up afterwards if I keep doing it. But I think about uh, Lindsay's father-in-law, Joel. And uh, Joel, when he was a newer Christian, decided to take a risk. And he's in a commission-based business environment and he decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, it seems like the Bible says that uh, one, I should work six days and rest one. So I'm actually going to make a decision to rest one day and not do business on one day, which is a bit counterintuitive for somebody that's in a commission-based sales environment to think that you would take one day and say, I'm not available on that day because I'm resting, I'm devoting it to worship and being in a faith community and with my family. And you know what? God honored the risk that Joel took and has continued to honor that risk and has been incredibly faithful in his provision for Joel and for their family over the years. I think about people like Howard and Kara who are interning at a church in Vancouver right now because they're preparing to head to a creative access country. And they've gone out here from Jericho Ridge 
and they have taken a big risk and said, you know what, God, we, we believe that you're calling us to a place that's going to be very difficult for us to raise our two young boys. We believe that you're calling us to a place where there is such a, there's almost no known Christian presence whatsoever. So they're taking a huge risk to go and begin building faith communities over there. But they believe that God has called them to do it and that God will be faithful to provide for them and protect them as they go. I think about when uh, we launched Jericho Ridge seven years ago. There were a number of families who lived in other parts of the city and who said, you know what, we're going to sell our homes, we're going to move into the communities of Willoughby and Clayton because God has called us to reach these people that are moving here from all over the different parts of the world and we want to be a part of that mission. And so they took a risk and stepped out in faith and holy boldness and God honored and blessed that risk. I think about kids for you guys some of you very recently took a risk took a postcard for go big and went and invited a friend to camp you didn't know what that friend was going to say maybe they were going to say whatever or i'm busy or summer has started and i'm bored already or whatever they were going to say but you took a risk in actually speaking to your friend and inviting them to come to go big and so for those of you who have been about the practice of taking risks and extending yourself in faith and stepping out where you actually need to see God work and move in powerful ways, I want to honor that and say this is a place where we want to see more of that and see God do incredible things as a result of our faith. And that brings us to our second character in this story, the little baby's sister. We learn later in the book of Exodus that the sister's name was Miriam. And let's watch this short video clip together to see how the story of Miriam unfolds as she watches by the riverbank to see her little brother in the reeds. Now the mayor thought his plan was awfully clever. But God had his eye on one special boy he was going to use to turn this whole mess around. So that's from uh, Mo and the Big Exit and moves our story forward because you see as the baby floats among the bulrushes on the edge of the Nile River and his sister Miriam watches carefully to see what's going to happen. Miriam watches and this princess comes down to the river in Exodus chapter 2 verse 6 
And we see that Miriam actually has the guts to go up to the princess and ask her a question. See, it says in Exodus 2.6, you can see it here, that the princess actually had compassion for the baby. This must be one of the Hebrew children. But I don't know if Miriam could see that from a distance or not. So think for a minute, use your imagination of what kind of courage it would take for a slave, a Hebrew slave, to approach a member of the royal family. So let's just say, for example, that, uh, I don't know, let's say Kate Middleton was down in Fort Langley on some official business. Uh, Now, since her wedding, she is uh, known as Catherine, Her Royal Highness, the Duchess of Cambridge, the Countess of Strathern, and the Baroness of Carafergus, just to name a few of her insanely long royal titles. So let's just say Kate was down in Fort Langley, and she was there for another purpose. So, you know, when she travels, she's going to travel with a lot of security. She's there for whatever she's doing, cutting a ribbon or talking to children or doing some other highly royal thing. And kids, you're there. And like from the, from the text in, in Exodus 2, we understand that Miriam's not super old. Like she's not sort of a young adult. She's a kid. There's not that much age difference between her and her baby brother. So she, as a kid, has the guts to go right up, bust through security, and not just sort of say hi, but to actually ask a question of the princess and boldly make a suggestion to her. And that would take guts. So to understand a little bit about how much guts that might take, we're going to play a game. So I need all the kids to stand up and come on over to the Welcome Center, just over by the chairs over here, all right? So come on over with me. And I'm going to pick on Tyler again because he's sitting at the back. Tyler, uh, we're going to play tag. Can you be it? Because you have the T-shirt on, we can all see you. Okay. If anyone else, you don't have to be exclusively a kid. If you would like to play tag, if you've always wanted to play tag in church, this is your Sunday to do it. So if you're an adult and you want to come and play with us, you're very, very welcome to do so. So Tyler, um, there's kind of, just as a suggestion, there's a couple ways. We're probably going to go by the front or by the back. Like, no going on the stage. Okay, that's off limits. We're probably going to go like that way or that way. So you can kind of patrol maybe the, uh, like the middle aisle area or any of the aisles that you want, and kind of try and catch us when we go one way or the other, okay? So we're going, to try and, we're going to try and go. Now, the other thing, kids, that we have to know about here is this is not, like sometimes when you play tag, like this is T, and if you're touching the table, like then Mr. Tyler can't get you, not in this game. You are not safe if you stay here, okay? The only place that you're safe is way over by Mr. Spencer. He's standing up on the far side there, okay? So you have to get all the way over to where Mr. Spencer is, and then you can be safe, all right? Okay, this is not tea. So if Mr. Tyler comes rushing here and, and you, you're going to be caught, all right? Oh, you need to, all right, we need to get, you need to stretch out maybe or something just to be, yeah? Okay, all right. Oh, a plan is forming. Shh, don't tell Mr. Tyler. Okay, are you ready? Okay, I can't even, Mr. Tyler's so sneaky, I can't even see him now. I don't know where he is. Okay, all right, are you ready? Shh. Okay, all right. Anybody else want to play? This is your last chance. Okay, ready, go. Ah, run away, run away, Elia, run away. Run, 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 run. Oh, 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 oh. Go, 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 come on, come on. Oh, we gotta go this way. 
I'll, I'll, I'll block him. <laughs> oh no, Louie got eaten by Mr. Tyler. Uh, okay, let's give them a hand, everybody. Okay, you guys didn't play, so you don't get a treat. All right, Jared, can you pass those around to everybody who played? Everybody can have like two or three, if that's okay with their parents. Mr. Tyler can have some too. <laughs> so, a question for you kids about playing tag there. What do you think, what do you think would have happened to you, Sam, if you stayed over there? Forever. Like you hung out there for a little while, so you saw where Mr. Tyler was. What do you think would happen if you stayed there forever? Were you safe there? No, he could have come and got you, right? Yeah, no, he could have, he totally, the only place you were safe was way over on the far side. So, what do you think would have happened if Moses' mother would have just stayed in her corner and done nothing? Just kind of hung out? Sorry, Sam, I need to... What do you think would happen to Moses' mother if she just hung out and did nothing? What do you think would happen to Moses? Sorry? I think he would have. You're right. I think he would have got caught. Yeah, totally, totally. So Moses' mother had to do something. She had to take something called a risk. Do you know what a risk is? A risk is something where you're, you're doing something that you're not going to be safe anymore. So you're leaving there. Did you notice when you play tag a little bit or when you kind of get out into the zone, when you couldn't see where Mr. Tyler was, you didn't know, your heart kind of beats a little bit faster. Like, I don't know where he is. Is he coming for me? Is he coming for me? Is he coming for me? And you get a little bit scared of what's going to happen because you don't know where he is and where he's going to just jump out at any time and try and get you. So you've got to take a risk. You have to decide, am I going to run this way? Am I going to run that way? Like it gets a little bit complicated. That's what it means to take a risk. It means you do something rather than doing nothing. So uh, all of you risked the corner and uh, were able then, notice I gave prizes to everybody who left, not only the people who got to safety, everybody who actually left the, the safety from over there or left the corner, got a prize. The prize didn't just go to people who reached the water safely. It went to everybody. And I wanted to do that to reward everybody who took a little bit of a risk and showed some courage. And Moses' mother, the thing about her is she's not a genius, right? She's not a slave. Baby, her baby could have drowned in that water. She's not a strong warrior. She had a baby only three months ago. She's not rich. She's not perfect but she had a mother's love. And when it came to showing courage, she didn't just stand there and not do anything. She decided she was going to take a risk and do something. And if you show courage to do the right thing, it's amazing how often God will show up. The big idea, again, is that God's radical provision and protection flows to those who risk big for his mission. In the story of Moses' birth, Moses' mom takes a big risk. Moses' sister, to approach the princess, takes a big risk. 
And the challenge for me, and maybe for you, is that naturally, we're a little bit more risk-averse in our lives, especially spiritually. But if you never take a risk in your spiritual life, if you never leave your spiritual safety zone, you will never experience reward. Some of you have never left the comfort of a spiritual safety zone. You've never come for prayer when we've offered it with our prayer team. You've never told anyone in your work environment or your neighborhood that you're a Christian. You've never read the Bible with your kids or with your family for fear that you'll make a mistake or that they'll come up with a question that you can't answer. You've never prayed for someone with any faith because you think that you might get it wrong. You're living in a spiritual safety zone. And spiritually speaking, there's a no-risk, no-reward equation that settles in. And it's amazing what the Bible actually says when you read it about faith. Look in Hebrews chapter 11 again, the chapter that uh, we talked about and referenced earlier about Moses' parents and their faith. In chapter 11, verse 6 of Hebrews, it says, It is impossible, it's not just difficult, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. And here's the phrase, he rewards those who actively and sincerely seek him. Did you catch that? God is not in the business of rewarding passive faith. He rewards those who actively and sincerely seek him. And maybe you're here today and you're on a spiritual journey. Maybe you're kind of in that place where you're trying to figure out what it means to seek God. Well, you've come to the right place, and today is a great day for your journey to take that next step. And in a few minutes, I'm going to pray. And when we pray, if you want to take a next step in your faith journey, maybe it's a big risk for you, and you've been putting it off or thinking about it or wondering if it's the right thing to do for a long, long, long time. Maybe today is a day when you actually leave the safety zone and you take a risk and begin a relationship with God. And if you want to do that, when I pray, I want you to stick your hand up and our team will come and we'll find you and we'll pray with you and talk you through what it means to be on an adventure with God. For those who have been on that journey for a little while, I want to ask you a question for reflection and response. And that is this. When was the last time that you took a risk in your spiritual life? When was the last time you did anything that would even remotely resemble risky in your spiritual life? Might just be a small risk, like reading your Bible and doing your momentum journaling at lunchtime in a public place like Starbucks. Might be a risk like beginning to give some of your resources away, even though you can think of a whole bunch of other things that you probably would want to put them towards. And you're beginning to think, well, what would it look like if I entrusted actually God with the resources that he's entrusted me with? Maybe God is asking you to have the courage to risk again because maybe you feel like you've risked a lot spiritually and maybe you feel like it didn't work out for you. And so you're you're becoming risk-averse because of some history that you have with God.
Kids, maybe it would be a risk like talking to your friends that came to you with day camp or maybe the ones that you invited and didn't come and talking to them a little bit more about what happens in Kids at the Ridge or Sunday Cinema or inviting them to come to Jericho with you this summer. Maybe uh, for our youth, Mike's got an event in August where they're going out to Cultus Lake Water Slides and there's Christian bands that are going to be playing and maybe that's a risk for you to invite a friend to something like that. Maybe you've never done anything like that. Begin to think about it and pray about what it might look like. Maybe for you, it's risky to actually lift your hands in worship because you're worried about what other people around you might think. Maybe for you, it's risky to think about going on our building project to Guatemala in September. Maybe it's risky for you to think about serving in the life of Jericho as a youth sponsor or as a life group leader. Maybe the very thought of that just terrifies you and you think, I could never do anything like that. There must be way more spiritual people in the life of Jericho that could do all kinds of things like that. But if you know that God is asking you to do something, I don't know what kind of risk God is inviting you to take in your life, but I do know this, no risk, no reward. Think of the incredible reward that flowed into the lives of Moses' mom and Moses' sister in our story from Exodus chapter 2. Because of their willingness to take risks, God actually rewards them in incredible and powerful ways. Moses' mother risked defying a bad law, and because his sister was willing to speak up and offer a very direct suggestion to the princess, the princess agrees to pay for the care of this little baby. And so, of course, Miriam runs home, gets her mom, brings her back, and the princess says, I will pay you to look after your own child. And if anybody comes and says, hey, what's this with this Hebrew baby boy? You just tell them to come and speak with me, and I will look after it. Protection and provision flow into their family and into their home and into their lives. Whereas just that morning when they got up, do you think they had any clue how God was going to move in that situation in meeting them in powerful ways? In a few short hours, Moses' family goes from illegally hiding to him to being fully paid by the royal family to raise him. They could have never imagined how God was going to honor their faith and their risks that they were taking. But they knew that one thing, and the one thing that they knew was doing nothing was not an option. So how about you? Where are you willing to risk for God? More specifically, what area in your life is God inviting you to step out in faith so that he and only he can be your provision and your protection? And if you're having trouble answering that question, maybe a better way to get at that is to ask the opposite question. Is there anything that I feel in my life is completely off limits? And as I begin to think about it and pray about it, immediately my first thought is, God, you can never do this with my life. Or you can never touch this aspect of my life. This is totally off limits. If so, you know right away that you're not willing to risk in that area for God. What are you not willing to do if God asks you to do it? What area of your life are you insisting on playing it safe? 
Dustin and the team are going to come, and they're going to sing a new song for us as the ushers come and prepare to receive the offering this morning. And the song that they're going to sing speaks about this very issue. That's by the David Crowder Band. And it speaks about the reality that when we put ourselves in these situations, we don't know how God is going to respond and come through because that's not risk if you know what the return on investment is. It's risk if you take a big step of faith and you're not sure what God's response is going to be, but you know that you know that he's asking you to do it. And so this song speaks to the reality that sometimes when you're in that place of risk, it feels very unsafe and uncertain. But our call as people of faith is not to be afraid, but to boldly approach God with confidence, to find help in our time of need, knowing that God's radical provision and protection flows to those who risk big for his mission. So why not step out in faith this morning like Moses' mother and his sister and see what God might be willing to do in your life? Let me pray with you.